Coast Creatives Podcast. I'm your host Jess Mallington and today I'm joined with Ben Hucker. Hey Jess, how's it going? I'm good, how are you doing? Do you want to tell people about the dream you had overnight? No, that's quite scary. Can you, can you give us a bit of detail? Do you want to tell listeners what you did to me in your dream? Put you in jail. <laughs> I was in jail, I was in jail and suffering. Yeah, and I had to give you a coat hanger to get out but I refused and then and you, it was too traumatic for you, so you actually I woke up at just 4.30 woke up. and then just got up because I didn't want to go back so to So just for our dream. listeners, Jess left me in her dream to rot in jail. Just a nice start to a Thursday morning, wasn't yeah. it? Very. <laughs> Maybe time to introduce today's guest. Alright, so we'll introduce today's guest. Um, welcome to the show, Jessica Schoenemann. Hi. How are you going? Good. Thanks for being on the podcast. It's really nice to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Great to have you on, Jess. Can't wait to hear your story today. So, probably a quick disclosure for our listeners. You're actually a good friend of ours, so not that it matters in terms of hearing <laughs> your story and the rest, but we're going to find out all the juicy details on today's episode, so I can't mm. wait. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the first segment. Um, this part's called Breaking the Ice, so we do it with all our guests. Um, it's just to get to know you a little bit better. Breaking the Ice. Yes. Uh, number one, where were you born? So I was born on Niue Island. Not many people have heard about it. It's this little island between Fiji and Tonga, so in the Pacific. Yeah. What's it called? Niue. Niue. Yeah. How do you spell that? N I U E. N I U E. I've never heard of it before. It's amazing. It's a little island surrounded by a coral reef, and it's wow. incredible. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It's in between Fiji. And Tonga. And Tonga. Little little island. There you go. I didn't know that. So. I didn't know that either. <laughs> little island <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah. Ah. And when did you move home? When I, mean, move. I was 18 months old. We moved to New Zealand. Yeah. And then was your brother born? In New Zealand. In New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so lived in New Zealand for until I was six and then moved to Brunei in Southeast Asia for six years. Wow. Brunei. Brunei. Yeah. Did you no, not know I this? No, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, lived in Brunei for six years. Wow. Of my childhood. So I grew up on a small island with surrounded by a coral reef, and now had some of your childhood spent in Brunei. Yeah. Did you meet the Sultan? Yes. You did. Yeah. Um, the Sultan's kids went to our school. Really? So yeah. Yeah. And so um, yeah, my sister was really really good friends with the Sultan's daughter Fadzilla, and I was really good friends with. The Sultan's brother, Prince Jeffrey's daughter, Samantha. And so we used to go and stay in the palaces on the weekend. Wow. And, yeah, it was actually crazy. Crazy so times. The wealth was just out of this world. I say he's uh, the richest man in the world. Just yeah, un- he, he some was. Some of his wealth is unaccounted for. but During the time we were there, he was still the wealthiest man right in the world. There. So he yeah. made um, parks, amusement park for the whole um, country. Uh-huh. Like the biggest one in Southeast Asia, yep. which was free for the for the people of Brunei, and he flew Michael Jackson out twice really? for a free concert for the country. You're kidding me. And I went to that. You went? Yeah. So the you, first time I went... MJ? Oh, well, funny story. <laughs> so the first time that I saw Michael Jackson, I was invited by the princess, Princess Samantha, so I went with her. But the second time, she didn't invite me, and that was the time they gave Michael Jackson a tour of Brunei. So if I had been invited the second time instead of the first, I would have got to meet him, but I didn't. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That close to meeting Michael Jackson. Super close. And what was the Sultan like? A generous man? Or actually not familiar with some of the history there, but... I didn't chat 
to him. I, I, you know, just had handshake kind of thing with him. Mm. But um, yeah, no, he he was generous. He was in when we were there. It was it was in his heyday where he was just really really great like generous for the people of brunei country and everything and only lately has he got into this sharia law and like become yeah. really strict mm-hmm. and he just sounds like a completely different man to the one that we I was going to say, there's a lot of trouble there now isn't there heaps of trouble yeah compared to the way it used to be yeah so he's, he's been, converted to yeah a very strict form of, islam. of islam yeah mm. whereas it was quite you know nothing like that when we lived there yeah yeah and have you been back since you were Child. 12. Yeah, I went back when I was about, so we left when I was 12, I went back when I was 16. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, cool. that's really cool. That's very cool. Yeah, so that's a really nice A couple start. of little snippets, <laughs> that's only two questions into our <laughs> icebreaker session. Yeah. We might have to come back to those stories, actually. Yeah. Question three, Jess. Uh, are you a full-time or part-time creative? Oh, so I was 100% full-time, but now I'm, I am. 100% mama <laughs> and work, you know, part time. But as a job, it's a 100%. Yeah. 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 Nice. Full time. So fitting it all in with um, young Hattie at home. Yes. Been quite a, a change for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Have a little bubba at home. So how's it all going for you? Yeah, good. It is a huge balancing act to try and. Um, well, yeah, they're, they're all consuming these little babes yeah. in a good way. So they bring so much joy, so much energy, but it is really, really hard to get things done, yeah. you know, that you would usually do. So yeah. it's just about finding the spaces in which you can do it and rearranging your routines and to fit, yeah. fit it all in. Yeah. I think there'll be a lot of mums listening in that'll be quite keen to hear about your routines and how you get stuff done. So... We've interviewed Alison White, who had a couple of kids, and a lot of other mums on the podcast. So I think it's really important, you know, to sort of show how other people can do it and get things done in spite of having kids and all the rest. So, yeah. Because yeah. they are, as you say, all consuming. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking from experience. <laughs> niece and nephew. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, we'll move on to number four. Are you a camper or a glamper? Oh, definitely a glamper. Are you? Yeah, I wish I was a camper, but I just, I do like the <laughs> the finer, <laughs> you know, the good sleep and the nice bed and the, yeah. yeah. So you've got the fine china packed in the, in the esky? Well, let's just say we have a tent that we've had for about five years and we haven't used it yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you're such a glamper that you haven't even used your tent. <laughs> yeah, we've used our t- tents before that, but not this this one yet. Yeah. What about yeah. Roops? Your partner, Roops. Big shout out to Rupert. He's a surfboard shaper and lawyer and all sorts of different things. Amazing surfer. Hey, Roops. Is he a glamper? Uh, no. I take him as a camper. Yeah, total camper. I can see yeah. him roughing it. So. Absolutely. We're, we're opposite in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm actually the camper and Ben's the glamper. Yeah. Oh. We were discussing this. We discovered that on the first episode. Actually, I did. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. Here, me. Here we were thinking I was the one roughing it the whole time. <laughs> but Jess on her um, yoga mat is definitely the camper. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> More that I'm underprepared. Underprepared? Yeah. Not as prepared. I'll take my royal self-inflating. <laughs> I, I like that the double one you bought didn't fit in the oh, tent. No, that was good. Blew out the <laughs> yeah. walls. 
Yeah, if anyone's in the market for a blow-up double bed, then we've got one sitting at home. Yeah. It's a common, so it's good quality. <laughs> it's just a bit bent at the edges because it didn't fit in our tent. Yeah. <laughs> under the stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one for under the stars. Um, do you have a favourite TV series? Oh, so this is obviously really hard because I'm the kind of person who would... You know, I don't re-watch series, so mm-hmm. there's some people who are obsessed with one and keep watching it over and over. Uh-huh. I, I love so many, but I think of this year, Unorthodox oh. on Netflix. I really, it was amazing, just showing the power of music, and it just really yeah. spoke to me. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. That was with the was she Russian? She no. was from like a Jewish family. That's she escapes. Right. Yeah, escapes that to pursue music. What was the series called? Unorthodox. Unorthodox. I haven't heard of that one. Where is that? Where can we watch that? On Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. I think I watched that without you one day. Sorry. It was really good. I just... It's really good. what you you do when I'm not around. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm out doing podcasts. (laughs) Uh, Were you busy during COVID or flat? I was actually, yeah, busy. Yeah. Mm. So I was worried because I'd just moved into, I have my own little studio in Baines Crescent and I'd just moved in here uh, three weeks before COVID got crazy in Australia. And I was thinking, oh no, how am I going to pay my rent and all that kind of thing. But all of my students apart from two wanted to keep going online on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And then I gained some more students. I gained a guy in Brisbane and some of my old Melbourne students because oh. I was doing it on Zoom. They all just wanted to... Do it. So I was actually busy. Yeah. That's great. Grateful for that. Mm. That's fantastic. It's. Um, I think a lot of our guests have actually gone the opposite direction. So I think people, a lot of people, you know, with full-time work and all the rest have sort of quietened down a bit during COVID. But a lot of our creative guests that we've interviewed have actually experienced the opposite, haven't they? So it's been a lot busier. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Really good. Um, question seven. Is creativity nature or nurture or both? Definitely both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think you have that natural instinct for something creative, definitely. But unless you nurture it, it doesn't reach its full potential. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. But definitely you would say you have to be, you know, have to have a little bit of creative juices flowing from day one. Yeah, I think so. From your parents genetically or... Well, just by the stroke of luck, even yeah, because some I sometimes my singing, some someone sometimes someone will work, walk into the singing room, they have an incredible voice, and I'll say, Okay, do your parents must sing? Surely one of them sing, mm. and they say no, and so sometimes, but they know that they can sing, and that's why they're having singing lessons, so they have come in with a gift, if you know what I mean, and then yeah. I nurture their gift, yeah, yeah, very yeah. true. Someone like Delta Goodrum, would you say she would have had a a natural inkling towards singing to begin with? Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Can that's you why tell... she was trained and Yeah. I mean I, I can definitely teach someone who can't sing at all how to sing. Oh, you can. Hundred percent. I was gonna ask that question. If yeah. someone is tone deaf, can you teach them to sing? I can. You can. Yeah. But will they be Delta Goodrum? Right. That's the difference. I think we should try that on Jess later on. So. Oh, I've heard her. She's got potential. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to, actually, we'll get some practical hints and tips off you later for communication and speaking and singing. So we're looking yeah. forward to that. 
Um, ben, you're going to take us into the next segment. Yeah, so thanks for doing our icebreaker, little icebreaker session there, Jess. Found out a couple of little clues, actually. Let's go back to your life on, the, on a tropical island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Yes. Not in the middle, but close to. This, it just sounds crazy. How, how, why, why did that happen? How, could it, how did you... Well, my, so my parents were teachers uh-huh. and they just were totally up for adventure. So my dad was a geography teacher and my mum a music teacher. Uh-huh. And they, the, a job came up on New Island and as a geography teacher, my dad thought, wow, this is what an incredible place to, to go. Yeah. You know, the, there's so many amazing caves and just on New just incredible things to explore. So they moved over there. And my, I have an older sister, so she would have been one. And they lived there for three years, and I was born um, there. And then... Do you remember it? I Not don't much. remember Newey, because yeah. I moved back to New Zealand when I was 18 months. Okay. Um, but I, they took me back there for my 21st birthday, and I was treated like a long I mean, lost... It was incredible. They met really? me at the airport with a, with a lay... Um, pe- the people... Um, the local people kept dropping off gifts really? for me because I was born there. And my middle name is Pellini, so Pellini. it's a New Ayan name. Yeah. All right. It yeah. sounds Italian, but that's yeah. New Ayan. Pellini. Pellini. Yeah. I got people used to say when I was a kid, Panini. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you went back and saw the local people. I've actually heard about that before. Actually, yeah, if you go back to sort of the native people on, on islands and like Cambodia, Vietnam and places like that off on tropical islands and things like that. They actually, they never forget a face, I hear. Yeah. And that's probably the case with you. Well, yeah, they knew my, my parents yeah. and, and the fact I was born there and then my middle name's New Way and, yep. and I was named after, my middle name, Pellini, was um, the, you know, premier of the, of New Way. Um, his daughter Polina used to look after us, so I was named oh, after wow. her. And yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah. A little bit of royalty on a. How big is the island? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll have to. You'd have to look that one up. Yeah. It's very small. I'm not yeah. sure population-wise. Yeah. A couple of hundred or a couple of thousand by the sound. I think a couple of thousand. A couple of thousand. Yeah. So yeah. from that royalty to different royalty in Brunei. Yeah. How did that come about? Same thing. Did you spend time? Living in New Zealand before you went to Brunei? Yeah, yeah, so from 18 months until six years old. Six years. I lived in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And then my parents thought, okay, it's time for another adventure. And they, yeah, went to Brunei. And we, my dad worked at a local school in Brunei and my mum worked at the international school of Brunei where we went to school and where all the international royals and internationals ah. went. Is there any yeah. other celebrity kids there? No. Wasn't a bit wasn't a novelty to go to the international not, school. Not really. I mean everyone from overseas went there. Yeah. 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 So there were people from all over the world. What sort yeah. of people are we talking? Like just people working as lawyers, bankers? Yeah, um oh people so a lot of teachers mainly oil work. Oil, okay. Yeah, there are a lot of yeah. um, you know, people who come over for the oil. Um, work in the oil. There were a lot of pilots actually, so yep. pilots, kids who worked flying in, flying out. Um, yeah, for Royal Brunei oh, Airlines. Yeah, oh, they okay. have their own airline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just lots of work. 
yeah. over there for expats. So a lot of people from the UK mainly, and then Australians, New Zealanders, a couple yeah. of Canadians, yeah. Very cool. So do you remember much of your time in New Zealand as a kid? Yeah, I do. Yep. Yeah. I remember New Zealand and I remember Brunei really clearly. And yeah. Brunei, how long there? Six years. Six years. Yeah. So you're back in New Zealand by about early teens? Yeah, 12. And yeah, lived, absolutely loved living in New Zealand. I was going to say, how did you find the adjustment coming back to New Zealand? Was it completely different? Or? It was completely different. Suddenly... Oh yeah, because talking about Brunei, especially as a um, you know a child back in New Zealand, I could tell that people just thought I was making it up. Yeah. Because you know <laughs> we like we we would it was just so far from you know we're used to you know going to a palace on the weekend, you know gold taps, all these big <laughs> birthday parties where they'd give you these crazy gifts to take away. Yeah. And and holidays all around Southeast Asia as as kids, and then we come back to. New Zealand and yeah, it's just some people would never, of course, never left. Yeah, because they're only twelve. Never left the. When the you're town. twelve, like your your whole world is you know your small country town. For me, it was Ballarat. Yeah. If you had a set on from the, you know, from Brunei, I spent, I've met the Sultan. I'd, I'd be like, is this like a fairy tale story? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is this a children's book that I read? Or? <laughs> yeah. So I, but I adjusted well because I was. 12 and so I was going into that next kind of phase of mm. school I think it would have been hard if I left during high school or halfway through yeah. primary school or and we were really you know New Zealand when we lived in Brunei it was always so exciting to go back to New Zealand so yeah. um for holidays and yeah. we were excited to go back there for things like sport and um which that was a little bit more limited yep yeah mm -hmm. and you're always pretty confident outgoing as a kid yeah it's not something you've, or everyone works on their, you know, their personality and all the rest, but just sort of something that came naturally to you from, from an early age. Yeah. Having that confidence and... Yeah. And what about the singing too? Where did you find you had a natural talent for singing? So my mum being a music teacher, yeah. she always, you know, she would be playing the piano and my sister and I would be singing. So we did, I my big, my first performance was when I was four years old, um, and you know, I remember four my, years old. Yeah, and this, um, you know, and it, that was quite a crowd. It's on, on video. Yeah. But um, we also grew up singing in church, my mm -hmm. sister and I, as yeah. doing like little items. Yeah. Um, up the front, and so definitely from when I was four, mm -hmm. I started performing. And then did you? You know, I know that you, you've learned a lot of instruments. When did you start learning? Piano. piano. Yeah, probably around seven, the seven. piano, yeah. seven or eight. Yeah. Wow. And then I, because my mum was such an incredible pianist, I, you know, I just, I, I probably would have taken it more seriously if she wasn't, if you know what I mean, because oh, she yeah. could always play for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's bit, but then I started learning chords and, and that was great because I could accompany myself and sing at the same time. Yeah. And what about your dad as a geography teacher? Must, must love his history and looking at world maps and all the rest. Loves what it. What about in terms of creativity and music and the rest? Yeah, unfortunately, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it, was nothing, a, yeah, yeah, it was a party trick, but uh, they 
no one duet, mum and dad together on the piano. Yeah. And as a party trick, they often get up at parties and do their little dun, 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 and play play this duet. But apart from that, yeah. yeah. But he really he has an amazing ear. He knows he knows what's good and what's not. Yeah. So he can he can go oh oh that that person was slightly off or that that was an incredible voice or you know he's got a great ear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good at least. So yeah, as you say, it's a bit of a mishmash. So in terms of creativity, nature or nurture, this is, sounds like a little bit from your mum and then a little bit of nurture. Yeah. Definitely. Like yeah, a lot of nurture. And then in high school, were you in a band or did you sing in high school? Yeah. Are you alluding to something, <laughs> Yeah. Are you, are, you al- <laughs> are you alluding to? I really want to go into this next topic. Oh, do you? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so. I was always really interested in musical theatre, so throughout my whole high school years, I did, you know, speech and drama, singing, uh, acting, and I would do musical theatre exams and uh, and lots of performing like that. And then, of course, absolutely loved. I was in a band and I wrote my own songs, and yeah. that's my husband was my husband was in the band too. Oh, um, you guys were high school sweethearts. <laughs> we certainly were. We were never together at high school, but it all began ah. at high school. And at the Leavers dinner was when of our high school was when it all began. The Leavers dinner. So that's like your graduation dinner. A dinner. Yep. After that, I said, "Can you drive me home?" Ooh. But pre that, we're in a band together called Silent Conversations. Yeah. Silent Conversations. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we wicked name. Yeah, well, Rupert and I, my husband, were having lots of silent conversations <laughs> throughout those band practices. Yeah. Um, ended up together. But, no, we, yeah, so we played in the Rock Quest, which is like a competition. We had to write our own songs, and oh. we got second in that in, wow. in our region. Yeah. That's but, like the Rock of Stedford equivalent here in Victoria? I, Australia? I think it must be, yeah. 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 We got second in that competition. Yeah. Wow. It must have been good. It was yeah. pretty fun, yeah. rocking out. Yeah, it was good. And how long we did you have the band for? Just our final year of school, we were in that band together. Yeah. So what happened then? So you became an item instantly after your graduation dinner, or was yes. A bit so of courting? well, I was moving to the UK actually. Oh, in right. so we finished school in December, and I was moving in January for a year. So we had this six-week summer romance, which mm-hmm. was actually quite. You know, it was serious in the way that we went around to each other's houses for dinner, like with the, the parents, and we spent right. every single second together. And um, But then I moved to the UK, so we broke up, but we wrote letters. So it was Aww. super cute. Ah. Um, and then became pen pals. Yeah, we became pen pals. <laughs> and um, then as soon as I got back, Rupert was studying law at the bottom of um, the South Island of New Zealand. Yep. And I, studying. Yep. Studying, yeah. And I got into communications journalism. So ah. I moved to Auckland to pursue that. And we got back together, Rupert and I, but we did long distance. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, it had always been my passion and dream to study musical theatre. So I moved, I auditioned for every school in Australia mm-hmm. and I got into VCA, right. which I was so excited about. That was so exciting being, you know, from New Zealand and getting into... What's VCA? Just for um, so, oh, the Victorian College of the Arts, uh-huh. yeah, and it's, yeah, in Melbourne, mm-hmm. it's a, um, the VCA is now combined with the University of Melbourne. Okay. Yeah, but back then it was its own 
mm-hmm. entity. And so you've hit the jackpot in terms of schools. I have. I know and there's uh, there's NIDA, isn't there? That's the yeah. big one for actors and NIDA and for that. actors, and then there's WAPA, Western Academy um, Performing Arts in uh-huh. in Perth, and then there's VCA. So there's the three uh-huh. top. And so then I moved to Melbourne. I'd never been here, mm-hmm. and I. Despite all your travels, you'd never been to Melbourne. Never been to Melbourne, and I moved to Melbourne without to study. And Rupert and I did three and a half years long distance. Wow! And oh, cool. Yeah. What happened to communications and journalism? Did you even start that? Yeah, I did the a year of that. One year. Yeah. And then pulled out. I pulled out when I got into musical theatre because right, so I had to follow the stage dream. That's yeah. interesting, actually. So communications journalism sounds like a you know. Well, journalism is hardly a path to safety these days, but communications definitely working in PR, working for some big corporates and things like that. Nice salary. Yeah. What was their pressure to remain in that course? No. No. No, definitely not from from my family or yeah, it was a hard course to get into, but it was harder to get into musical theatre, yeah. and that was always my dream. Dream, and actually, so that was my backup plan was actually I really wanted to be like an investigative journalist which is oh. a uh, and then yeah so 60 minutes sort of hard hitting yeah all of that kind ABC, of thing 730 report yeah but I haven't regretted that decision of yep. not pursuing but I love writing and I I love that side of it as well mm-hmm. just how come you, you didn't go straight into VCA oh because I missed because I was in the UK yep I missed the auditions because oh, right. I was still in the UK. What was happening in the UK? Was that just a holiday getaway? That was gap year. So gap year. I worked at the City of London Freeman School oh. as a teacher's assistant and oh, wow. worked there for a year. And that was 40 minutes out of London at a yep. very posh school. Yeah. And yeah, it was, was just... Hogwarts or something? Yeah, it was pretty much <laughs> Hogwarts. Actually, that Andrew Garfield actor... Yep. Do you know him? No, I don't know. Oh, right. he, I pretend I know. He went to that school. We, was, who's he? Is he? He's an actor. Yeah. In Harry Potter or? No. No, like, I've heard of his name. You'd know him if you saw yeah, him. Yeah, if you see him, you'll know him. He's, yeah. Um, but he, it was a great school and it was just a year of travel, really. Yep. So, travelled all throughout Europe and mm-hmm. uh, loved it. Yeah. yeah. Morocco. And picked up a, a plush role as a TO, which is like, yeah. I reckon 80% of Australian backpackers, their first job in London is a TO. Absolutely, yeah. Because <laughs> they think, oh, yeah, and good money, all the rest, and, and then they and meet the kids. <laughs> it's wild. great money, and also they have so many holidays in the UK because they have half term, end of term, oh, so really? you just get to travel all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who came to London uh, 12 years ago when I was living there. And she got a job teaching, and they had a metal detector at the front door. Really? Just no, to... this was a posh school, yeah. <laughs> City of London Freeman School. The... A metal detector. Yeah. Wow. Just to detect, you know, knives and weapons and all the rest. So, wow, that's for long. Like, welcome to day one education. It's like yeah. This is, what's a, what's that movie called with Michelle Pfeiffer? Dangerous Minds. Minds. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like that. Ooh. <laughs> In the ghetto. <laughs> yeah. But digressing, that is a very cool story. So. Do you consider yourself a Kiwi or an Aussie? So you've been in Australia now, how long? If we can map out your journey from the VCA, how long were you at the VCA? So I started out doing the 
um, when I started, they didn't have a degree yet, so I did the foundation course. And then at the end of that year, they introduced a degree. And everybody had to re-audition for that. Mm-hmm. And only three of us got in and oh. for the new course, and other people from all around Australia came. So that was three years, so four years at BCA. Four years at BCA. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And a bit of time working in Melbourne, working and living in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Great time there. So straight after uni... So yeah, Rupert moved over um, in my last year of uni from New Zealand and got a job. And so then we got married in 2012. So we we're super young, 24 year olds. 24, you got married. Mm. Wow. Yeah, because we we been. You don't hear that these days. I know, I know, because we'd been together for five and a half years. Yep. And we thought, let's get married. Yeah, and do it. we got married. And so I spent my years after uni auditioning for shows and um, in Melbourne and, and doing some performing when I was lucky enough to get into shows and I did a couple of commercials and just... Commercials? Anything yeah. prominent? Oh, well, I was the lead in a um, Coles Lambshanks ad. Oh. Um, you'll, you'll have to see it. It's quite... It's, oh, Lambshanks. Well, uh, yeah, and I was the main one and I'm like, hmm, it's unbelievably delicious. <laughs> and Yeah, it's... Quite. I'm gonna dig that up on YouTube and put it on our social. <laughs> if we can find it. It's a. Uh, it's pretty. Pretty fun. Do you have yeah. it on VHS or something? I do. I not that old. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably only five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're talking digital media now. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then what about musical theatre? Yeah. So I. I mean, it's a super super competitive industry. Yeah. Uh, so many. Well, in Australia, there's only really, you know, five massive shows a year and you have hundreds and hundreds of people auditioning. Five so, massive shows, so in terms of theatre shows coming to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. or Australia. Yeah, yeah. really, five. Like big ones. So compared big to, ones. say, the West End in London or New York, we've got a very, very small fraction of yeah. the and, pie. And the talent here is incredible because there's yeah. so many, you know, we mentioned Nida Wapa VCA. Yeah. There's grads coming out of that every year. Um, yeah, so I had a good, good go. I, I, the biggest show I did was Chess, the musical, mm-hmm. and that was with Sylvie Palladino and Simon Gleeson. Oh, that was Sylvie Palladino. Yeah, so, yeah, she's amazing. So That's she... my dad's favourite artist. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's amazing. She's yeah, Christmas carols every year. We've got to sit down and watch Sylvia. Yeah. Oh, she's... I absolutely Sylvia. love her. She's gorgeous. So... That was straight out of uni I got the show. Yep. And wow. I was so excited because, you know, we were performing at the State Theatre, which is part of the Arts Centre of Melbourne, and the audience was 2,000 people what? a night. And it was straight out of uni. And I was like, yes, um, this is the beginning, you know. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I did a few, you know, little little shows and then but kept getting shortlisted for these big roles and then missing out. So it would be rounds of auditions so you'd arrive and it would be you know singing call then you'd get a call back then a dance call then you get a call back then you do acting and then you get a call back and then I kept my agent would call me and say you know uh, you're on hold which means that it's between you and one other person or you and two other people and I always just missed out on these huge roles Um, and so what happened was it's a ma- see the people who stick it out. I have friends 
I have friends from VCA who have incredible careers. They've done so, so well. And there's also been some who have really, really stuck it up and had the nose, had the nose, had the nose, and then five years after uni get the yes. Yeah. And it's a real, and they, they've yeah. put in all that determination, yeah. hard work, and stuck it up. For me, I really wanted something as well as performing. So that's where teaching came in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started just absolutely getting a passion and loving, passing on the knowledge and seeing students grow and inspiring them and yeah. and yeah in addition to a regular income just a bit more safety security absolutely yeah but you could still audition for yeah i could still audition so that yeah and i and i kept doing that so i was always yeah. auditioning i haven't been auditioning the last or performing the last couple of years i was going to say since. how are they how are your friends going this year like the arts entertainment scenes virtually been wiped out yeah, they so a lot of them were in shows that cancelled, mm-hmm. and and the great news is that now they've announced that they're coming back. Yep. So they they've had a dry patch, but now their shows are reopening and they've got their jobs back. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. a couple of years started your teaching school in Melbourne, so you picked up clients immediately. Yeah, no, so in Melbourne, I was actually working for someone. Yep. So I was wa- working at the Academy of Singing, and it was on Chapel Street. Yep. And I would, um, yeah, so had heaps of students, adults, children. It was a super fun place to work. Uh, and then we moved five years ago to Torquay, mm-hmm. and I was still working four days a week at uh, on Chapel Street at the singing school. And I was... Don't tell me you were commuting. I was. So the thing is, is that um, people on Chapel Street, you know, in Melbourne, my last student would be nine at night. Wow. And they'd finish at 10. And I would drive at 10 at night back home to Torquay. Torquay by midnight. By midnight. And yeah, so I was doing long days. And then I suddenly thought, why am I doing this? Yeah. There's... I, for a while, part of it was holding on to, you know, being a creative and loving the city and used to going to shows and auditions and everything. I really, I kind of wanted the best of both worlds and it felt like I was still part of the, the buzz living in, in Melbourne, yeah. sorry, working on Chapel Street. But um, then I thought, no, I'm just going to start advertising here. Yeah. And over time, I built it up so that, you know, I'd have a day here and I drop a day in Melbourne another day I drop a day and I eventually built up to full-time for my own business here in talking yeah you did it gradually yeah which is very similar to a lot of our guests they kind of built their side hustle and then eventually took the leap once they sort of had a a fair amount of safety and security yeah I think that's smart yeah yeah Yeah. or I think it works for some personalities so it definitely works for mine I do admire people who absolutely just jump for it yeah Yeah. quit the job give notice to the boss and yeah and just off you go off they go because and i guess they have they've got no no other option but to make it work when you do that that option Mm -hmm. but for me i thought oh you know i'm quite enjoying my job there i might as well Mm. gradually transition yeah that's crazy so commuting to chapel street but then eventually did you start teaching people from home or did you have a little studio like you have now in torquay I was teaching people from home to start and I remember, so part of what I love to do is I love to do a a mid-year concert every year for my students and I did, my first ever concert was a soiree 
in the backyard at my house and over a hundred people came and and we had borrowed chairs from the neighbours and we'd only recently moved from Melbourne, so some friends from Melbourne lent us some chairs, like oh some God. stools, we didn't know anyone here. Yeah. And I did it in the backyard and there was and there were so many people and it was really exciting because it was it was way more successful than I anticipated. Yeah. And then from that point onwards we've always done I hire a venue for concerts. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, 100 people in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was quite... All the neighbours were pretty supportive. Oh, yeah, yeah. very supportive. They yeah. probably joined in, did they? they? Well, they could hear it all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A concert for them as well, yeah. <laughs> Got the boombox going out in the backyard. Free entertainment. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people would be keen to know how you got your first clients. So you said you did a bit of advertising. Where did you advertise? So I actually advertised... So I did school newsletters. Yep. Um, advertising school newsletters mm-hmm. but my that's so obvious like if we think about marketing and advertising we think Facebook ads and all the rest but school newsletter yeah school newsletter because that's who I knew get yeah, would market first is the kids I teach adults and kids but my market in Torquay began with kids mm-hmm. because there's just so many yep. <laughs> so many kids and um but also i used facebook advertising and it really worked for me it did in my yeah. business 100 percent. so i i never paid too much i would just pay 30 dollars for a five yeah. day ad mm-hmm. and always would get people so you got results from 30 dollars ad spend yeah that's brilliant because with the target audience yeah. and Always, always got. Did you get just target Geelong, Torquay, Anglesey? No, I made it really narrow. Oh, just hyper specific. To, yeah. Did you get that error message? You get it's Facebook always says, "Oh, your audience might be too small." Did you get that? No, this Did was a that? while ago. I haven't yeah. advertised. I haven't advertised now for about two years. Yeah. But yeah, back when I was doing it, it didn't say that. That's a yeah. great little strategy. So thirty bucks, five day ad. What was the ad? Just a single image of you singing or? Uh, no, it was, you know, starting with the question, have you always wanted to, you know, yeah, or um, grow in confidence with your voice and yeah, and, yeah. and it would be a, an image of a kid singing. Yeah, cool. yeah. And then later down the track when I had some content, I actually used local kids. Yeah. So I asked their parents if I could use their pictures and I, um, once a year, our students also sing at Talkie Carols by the Sea, mm-hmm. and yeah. I had these gorgeous professional photos of, you know, two two girls of singing with their little Christmas outfits, and that image was an incredible photo. And I put that out, and then people seeing the ad would also recognise the kids, yeah. and that helped as well. Yeah, I think you've hit on a couple of really good notes there. Um, so yeah, the Facebook ads is all about hyper-local and being really specific and being relevant too. So putting pictures of kids, local kids as well, a lot of parents would have identified with those kids. So yeah, yeah. I think it's a great little strategy. So maybe one for, to try in if you're in other industries and tuning in. So do you, so you said you haven't done that for a couple of years. It's, it's all word of mouth now or you're fully booked out? Uh, so yeah, I am fully booked out, but it's word of mouth. Yep. Um, and the Surf Coast Community Notice Board. That is where I can credit this is so online. much of my my um, clients. 
Really? Yeah. Facebook. So, oh yeah, so it's on Facebook. Facebook page. Surf Coast Community Notice Board. Mm-hmm. People post on there, where can I find a singing teacher? And then uh, people tag. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, my students or parents tag me. Yeah. And then I've found it's all about um, if they then get in touch with you, the person, to just responding straight away. Yeah. Because if you don't, they move on to the next mm-hmm. person on Jess the list. Jess has actually got a few PTs that way. People tagging in Jess. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, that's a great little one as well. So the Surf Coast Community Notice Board and any other, I guess, local community notice board that might be in your area and virtual and online on Facebook. So another good little tip. So what proportion of your clients now are singing versus, say, speaking or acting? Well, at the moment, I have 100% singing. singing. Yeah. So I was last year, oh no, before I had Hattie, I was working at St. Ignatius College doing public speaking. Yeah. And um, I find that the adults, I teach mainly adults public speaking mm-hmm. um, privately, and they usually come in for kind of like a six-week stint. Oh, yeah. Um, and I feel like I can teach all the skills that they need mm-hmm. uh, in six lessons. So give them a tune-up. Yep. And yeah, I had at one stage I had the deputy mayor of Torquay coming in for really? lessons, really? and that was really exciting for me, working on local yeah. speeches and yeah. and things for that. Um, I won't tell you who it was; it was a few years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was really exciting. And then I I had Alan Immo come in, um, and for their Brecky show, yeah. and that's so awesome seeing their show and being like, oh. Look at that! You know, yeah. so much pep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they're Good great. Hints and tips. Yeah, um, but yeah, I get adults coming in for for stints. Do you find adults, uh, the adults that coming in, coming in, are caught short in terms of public speaking skills? Like, they might have got a promotion at work, or they might be in a new role, such as a deputy mayor, and they're caught short in terms of public speaking skills. Yeah, they just they just want to. Oh yeah, another example was someone came in who was starting to do presentations on nutrition and they just wanted the skills to yep. to get their points across. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's a clever thing to do for anyone stepping up into a new role yeah. or doing yeah. something new just to have a few little tips because there's so many things that you can just simple things that you can do that make things a lot easier. I've worked with you um, twice now. Oh yes, I've worked with Jess Mallington. Yes. Jess Mallington. You helped me when I had the when I had my own business, and my problem was I had to present to like a whole group of males about male mental health, and so I had to be really like come across confident and know what I was talking about, even though I'm not male. I don't you know mm. suffer from the same. Um, issues and then that Symptoms was of being a man. that was really helpful because I think I spoke to 80 men who were just playing sport um, and that I felt su- super confident to do that I ended up doing like two or three um, of those talks and then that was at Torquay Footy Club wasn't it? Uh, it was for oh, I forget the group but Craig Smith is um, oh, yeah, kind of the men's yeah for over 35s they yeah. play sport on a thir- Tuesday and Thursday night and I was trying to invite them along to a yoga class um, in support of men's mental health. And then the other time was for the podcast. I get so nervous when I meet people and you've helped me. Um, we work together. So 
Yeah, that's just a couple of examples, I guess. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Mm. I'll ask the obvious <laughs> question. So I too had a few issues with public speaking last year. I think it's an issue for most people, majority of people. It's, it's quite a big fear. So last year I ended up signing up to City of Greater Geelong Toastmasters. That's right. Which I'm still a member of. Yeah. We meet once a month, so come along if you want to learn public speaking skills. So that's great for presenting to an audience once a month. Yeah. So in your case, you're teaching one-on-one. How do people build the skills to talk in front of people? Or is it for you, it's more about the practical side of speech and... So I teach them the techniques, techniques. like um, the techniques for their voice and also things like eye contact and body language. But then we just set up an invisible audience. Really? Yeah. So you do that? And I include myself because I am an audience and often... People find it quite more nerve-wracking performing to one yeah. person than they do a group. 30, yeah. Yeah. So it actually, all the things that are going to come out when you're performing in front of a group, you know, like um, nervous things like hands or yeah. eye contact, they come out when someone's <laughs> just doing it in front of me. Yeah. So it's easy to pick up what is going to happen and yeah. work on it. Yeah. That's a big thing at Toastmasters. Every first-time speaker is always fiddling with the hands and doing this and that. So... Yeah. Just for our listeners, I'm crisscrossing my fingers and, you know, fiddling. and It's a big one for first-time speakers. But once you get comfortable, yeah. hands by the sides becomes a lot more More natural. comfortable, yeah. It's a lot a, more open too. Definitely. It kind of says, I want to be here and actually helps you relax too. Yeah. It's about finding a, a comfortable posture that isn't distracting for, yeah. for viewers. Yeah. I have thought about doing some group public speaking yeah. classes though because that's a good idea yeah with I think some that'd adults. be a great idea yeah if you can fit it in between being a mum and singing and acting <laughs> and all the rest so yeah that's that's a good one so just for our listeners you know if you're a talented artist or creative I think a lot of people will be asking you know in terms of communication and communication skills and speaking you know why does it matter isn't it enough that I can just lock myself away in the studio and do my art and let word of mouth do do all the work. Can we ask the question, why does it matter? Communication skills? Right, yeah. No, so I think it's really important if you're a creative or an artist to have good communication skills so that you can convey mm. to uh, your audience or um, what you are wanting to say with your work. So you might paint really beautiful pictures, but some people love to have a conversation about, you know, what what it's about or this or that. And, and it, so it's nice to be able to communicate those things mm. and be heard. Also, the marketing side of things and or if you ever get asked to speak on a podcast, mm. uh, it can be really helpful so that you can come across more clearly and get come across in the way that you want to. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so if you could randomly get selected for Ben and Jess's podcast, the Surf Coast Creatives, then it's handy to have those skills. <laughs> yeah. I can definitely see the plus side of it. So the reason I reached out uh, to City of Greater Long Toastmasters last year, I was doing a, a media role, media and communications role, and part of that role was presenting at events and other things and doing commentary at race events. So it was a big step up for me coming from a finance background. You know, I did a lot of sales meetings and business development and all the rest, but nothing compares to getting up there and talking in front of people and trying to sell a story, so. Yeah, I think also it helps with personal confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one, so hats off to you for 
I guess, educating our community about public speaking yeah. skills and singing and acting and all the rest. So. <laughs> what are you, oh, sorry. Are you go, Jess. Um, can you tell us a bit about what you're working on now? Or? Oh, I, as this little side project. Yeah. Just yeah. before we get to that, oh, yeah. I wanted to ask why Torquay? How did you end up in Torquay? Oh, how do we? Okay, so my husband Rupert, lawyer, eco surfboard shaper, um, is does amazing uh, surfboards. By he the does. Way. Yeah, he's just going does, live with his website. Does actually, does boards. Is he? Yeah. What's I'll put called? it in the show notes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so we were living in Melbourne and my husband Rupert got back into surfing and every single weekend he was driving to either Torquay, Phillip Island or the peninsula to surf. Mm. And whenever he came to Torquay, I'd say, oh, can, can I come? And, mm. and I'd, I'd really want to come to Torquay. And then we were living in Paran at the time, and which was great, like loved Paran. But we wanted to buy a house and we absolutely couldn't afford anything. Uh, we could afford a tiny apartment maybe. Yep. Um, and so we started looking what I thought was for fun in Torquay. And then we walked into the house that we now own in, oh, yeah. in Janjak and we absolutely fell in love and it turned serious. And we ended up buying the house. And then we just moved absolutely everything down here. And at the time, Rupert was still working five days a week at a law firm in Melbourne. I was still working four days a week at the Academy of Singing on Chapel Street. And so we lived with some friends for two nights a week in Melbourne. And then, but it, that didn't really work for us because it felt like we were living a double life and yeah. we didn't really settle here. So we finally took the plunge. Rupert got a new job where he could work more flexibly mm -hmm. um, from home a couple of days a week. And I set up my own business and we just moved here full time and made it work. And it was only then that we really got into the community and just started loving where we live. And yeah. yeah. And Rupes gets to surf every morning. Every morning. <laughs> he gets up at 5 a.m. and he's in the water just first light. Checking the surf. Yeah. Oh, he's an amazing surfer too, so I'm sure you guys love it. Has he always surfed? Yeah. So he didn't just Since pick he's... it up in Torquay, he's always yeah, surfed? Yeah, no, always surfed. He, uh, yeah, surfed as a kid and then he lived in Dunedin, which is absolutely freezing in the bottom of the South Island in New Zealand yeah. for uni. Yeah. And he used to surf in those crazy cold conditions. Oh so it's probably a whole other level from Bells Beach in winter. Yeah. So we should quit complaining about the cold. And yeah. Oh yeah, many, many surfing spots. Sorry, Jess, back to you and your question. Yeah. Talking about the future. The future. Can you tell us what you're working on? Right. So I uh, have my own little creative project on the side. So. I'm a singer myself and a couple of years ago our first born daughter Sophia passed away um, 12 hours after birth so um, she was our first little baby yeah. and um, just through crazy shock complications during labour she only lived for 12 hours um, and she has absolutely sparked in me just so much creativity and and since she died I've just been writing and writing and writing songs and songs and songs mm -hmm. um, I'd go for walks and lyrics would just pop into my mind or I'd sit in the on the piano and just sing um, she's been super inspiration for me um, so I have a little side project that I'm currently working on yeah. and um, it's 
so all the songs, it's a it's a journey of grief really. So it's from yeah. from the deepest, deepest dark sorrow of when she when she died to a journey um, of hope and healing. Mm-hmm. And the songs, yeah. So the songs start in a in a really you know sad place, and then they slowly grow into hope and um, as they go. So I have a project that I'd like to release. Mm-hmm. An album. I have an album of songs that I'm currently working on yeah. um, to do, yeah, with that. And the aim is that I really want to help other people who have gone through something similar. It actually blows my mind how many people have experienced losing a baby or mm. had a miscarriage. And um, it's. I feel like these songs could really help people because it's going through the stages of grief, but in song form and it's kind of like an open diary really yeah of expression yeah that's very cool how much time do you spend working on this well um we have a little 17 month old rainbow baby um so yeah a rainbow baby is a baby that you have after losing a baby um and her name's hattie Mm -hmm. harriet joy um hattie and she's 17 months so she's super super Full on, um, but on Thursdays she's at daycare, so it's my day to work on my songs, mm-hmm. and then I also try and work on them in the evenings and mm-hmm. um, sometimes, yeah, on the weekends we mix it up. And my husband works on shaping his boards, and I work on my music, um, amongst family time and everything. So we try and try and fit it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's such a funny little kid, Harriet. Oh. She, yeah, she, she. I think she's going to be a little performer for I sure. I think she is. She's <laughs> even more full on than than me. <laughs> Most little kids cower in the corner when you come over. They might be a little bit scared, but uh, Hattie just you know puts it out there like welcome. <laughs> she yeah, she plays it up for the crowd. Yeah. Loves yeah. loves to dance and yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations <laughs> for putting that together. That's a really a sort of tough thing to go through. I know we were shattered when you were going through that experience. So, yeah. And having been through two miscarriages this year, it's, it's a really sort of tough thing to deal with. And, you know, we saw it just to take an example from the, from the media with the Royal family that Meghan Markle had a, had a miscarriage and, you know, the, the Royal family put out these official statements that, you know, they couldn't comment on it and things like that. It's such a taboo thing, isn't it? Yeah. And you lose kids at such a young age. Well, yeah, it's a topic that people, it's just so heart-wrenchingly painful that people don't like talking about it, but then you can feel quite isolated if you're going through it. It can feel shameful, but it shouldn't be at all. No. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. well done, and I can't wait to see the final product. Yeah, I'm excited too. So let us know when that's out. Yeah. So that's, will that be part of Jessica Joy's songs? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you've released... Um, one song. One yeah, song? I have two, two on two? there. Yes. Yeah, I have two on there as little teasers, and then I thought I would wait actually until and just rethink how I wanted to kind of put them all yeah. out and what order and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Those two are really beautiful. So. Oh, thanks, Jess. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. So we're getting up towards an hour, Jess. Conscious, oh. you have to get back to. You've got, to... got some more classes today, but. Just do you want to kick off with some questions about inspiration and now and the rest? 
Well, yeah, you touched on Sophia and how she inspires you, but do you have any other sources of inspiration? For um, teaching or just how you live your life? Yeah. Musical pursuits? Pursuits? Yeah, well, in terms of teaching, my students really inspire me, actually. Yeah. So when they come in and they they progress and they they grow with their lessons and they really, you know, singing is so vulnerable and speaking, you have to you have to just really expose yourself. And when they choose to do that and choose to grow, yeah. it's just it's super inspiring. I have a student who has cystic fibrosis and she comes in every single week excited for a singing lesson and she's just so positive. She really inspires me. She's just so positive and so happy all the time. And I'm just like, wow, what an amazing girl. Yeah. yeah. But I do have an amazing quote that inspires me yeah. that I put on my phone. Um, that's yeah. a good segue, actually. We haven't done our quote question yet. We love a good quote. Yeah. Yeah, this is... Um, I, I've, I remember loving this quote when I was 18, and it's kind of still stuck with me. It's um, by Marion Williamson. So it's quite long. That's good. But it could be a good, good. finisher. Okay. So it says, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I love that. that That's very cool. Have you heard it before? No, I've never heard that. I think so. I feel like I've heard it, but... I love it because so with students, for yeah. example, when they come in, I know some of them have this incredible talent that they're not letting out. Yeah. And it's like they know it as well, yeah. but they're afraid to let yeah. their glory yeah. shine. Yeah. I think it's a good one for the podcast too, because we definitely have our moments with the podcast, our doubts and fears, and you know, who are we to be interviewing people about creativity and all the rest in their lives? But that kind of says it all. It's better to have it out there rather than holding it back. So. Yeah. So we might recite that before each podcast. Because <laughs> we definitely have some, would you agree, Jess? Some yeah. fears around the podcast and what we're doing sometimes. Definitely. Even though we love what we do, we love hearing people's stories. Yeah. There's definitely a little voice there sometimes that says, what are you doing? Yeah. So I think that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Just to instill that and put it in your mind. So. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That was brilliant. Um, your best piece of advice for budding creatives, entrepreneurs, uh, it's, actually, let's target it. Let's hone in on singers, yep. actors, speakers. Your number one piece of advice for people that might be teetering on the edge in terms of a part-time role somewhere and maybe they want to take it on full-time. Yeah, no, I would say, so part-time teachers, singing, acting, public speaking teacher, you mean? Uh, people who sort of, I guess, that might be working a part-time job to support their singing, acting, speaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think... Find a part-time job that you're 
that inspires you as well yep. because singing acting and public speaking they are absolutely amazing but it is super competitive to do it as a full-time job in Australia yep. so my biggest advice would be keep pursuing that dream with everything in, inside of you but also make your little side hustle something that you enjoy yep. and something that you love so similar to what you were doing with the Academy in Melbourne yeah it was a part-time job and then you were auditioning and all the rest on the side as well yeah whereas a lot of uh, other actor friends they would work in hospitality and mm. um, at night time so that they could be free for auditions but then they wouldn't enjoy their job mm-hmm. and yeah. so they'd yeah. be just hanging out for the to get the role so that they'd yeah. be happy whereas I've I found it super fulfilling teaching and and yeah. doing that and I feel like the two complement each other yeah that's great advice. Yeah, good practical advice. So you don't have to be working, you know, stacking shelves at Coles. So you can find something you're passionate about. Yeah. And still. And still pursue, pursue your, your ultimate dream. Yeah. 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 Actually, we haven't heard, really heard that one today. No. So that's a good piece of advice, I think, Jess. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and where can we go to follow you and your story and keep up to date with what's happening? Yeah. So my uh, singing school is called Sing Act Speak. Mm-hmm. And that's um, at Sing Act Speak on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then my music that I'm going to be releasing my project on is at Jessica Joy Songs. At Jessica Joy Songs. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jess. Thanks so much for letting us talk. I really enjoyed it. I think I listened a lot there because I didn't know most of that. But um, thanks for asking lots of questions, Ben. Um, if you want to follow... I did hog it a bit, didn't I? No, it's good. I, lo- I just liked listening to That's that That's a fascinating story, yeah. so thanks for sharing yeah. that. Oh, thanks for I'd having me. I'd love to go deeper about your time in Brunei and all the rest, <laughs> so... And love affairs with Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would. <laughs> um, so, Ben, where, where can we go to follow the Surf Coast Creatives podcast? Uh, surfcoastcreatives.com, so go to the website, subscribe via email, or send out a weekly email just to notify people of new episodes, such as today. There'll be an email going out later today, and this episode will be published today, incidentally. So Yay! look out. This is going to go live in about two hours. Uh, surfcoastcreatives.com, at surfcoastcreatives, Instagram, at surfcoastcreatives, Facebook. So come and join us on social, email, get involved in our little community. Perfect. And then we have some um, sponsors that we'd like to mention. Do you want to take us through them? You take us through them, Jess. <laughs> Great. Um, so we're affiliated with Skillshare and Canva, so there's some really good apps and things that you can use for your business to take it to the next level. Um, Skillshare helps you learn new new skills, new skills, and they're taught by there's some on there like Natalie Martin's featured on Skillshare, so you can learn how to um, paint with watercolor. And then Canva is a design. Um, Design software where you can um... do like it's kind of like graphic design for non-graphic designers is the best way to describe Canva, I yeah. would say. Yeah. So you can put together a really professional-looking document, say for an invite or uh, might be a social media blog post or whatever it might be. It just makes it really, really super easy without having to use InDesign and other programs like that. It's really user-friendly. So yeah. Canva and Skillshare. We'll put links in the in the show notes to both those. 
So thanks Jess for coming on today's podcast. Thank you. Thanks Jess, we really appreciate it. It's such an epic story and can't wait to hear what happens in the next couple of years and yeah, growth as a mum, as a singer, actor, speaker. So. And the new little bubba. Oh the yeah, way. there's another Our little new baby. Bubba on the way too, so. Yeah. Can't wait for coming that. May May 4th. 4th of May. May the 4th. But yeah, thanks again, Jess, and we really appreciate your honesty and candor today. Today's episode. I'm sure it'll be a popular episode, so thank you. Thank you, guys.